Alisader again. Navarro's continuing his run. He doesn't need it. Ignacio Alisader. Scintillating football by the Chicago Fire. Federico Navarro weaving his way through. And it's in. All right, everyone, welcome into another special edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. We are in the middle of an international break, but that does not mean that we can't take a deep dive into the Premier League and the status of the Premier League after 10 games. I am the voice of the Chicago Fire, Tyler Terrence, joined by none other, the voice of the Premier League on NBC, Mr. Arlo White. I am currently doing this episode from LAX. Meanwhile, Arlo White is back in the Midlands, and we cannot be more excited to bring you this episode where we might um, you know, gain a few more listeners, might lose a few listeners, as Arlo and I are going to share our opinions as, as what's gone down in the Premier League um, over the past 10 games or so. Arlo White, how are you feeling, my friend? Tyler, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling refreshed. Uh, had a nice little break, and I am still glowing from the first 11 weeks of the Premier League season because I actually think, and I've said it on the pod before, that this is the, this is the best and the and the deepest that the Premier League has ever been, um, the the title race is is on. That we don't know who's going to win it. Adubs Chelsea are right up there at the moment. Your Liverpool had a disappointing end to the to the last section of the season between the international breaks with defeat at West Ham. But Manchester City are, are, are in there as well. Who knows? Maybe West Ham could be counted as a as a as a threat to the top three. And then there's the race for the top four. There's Manchester United's malaise. There's all sorts going on. Managers coming in. Managers being fired. Great games of football. It has been an intoxicating 11 match round so far in this Premier League season. Yeah, sorry. It, it is 11. It's not 10. I, it, there was a subconscious thing going on where I'm trying to suppress the West Ham result at the London Stadium. <laughs> but, um, you know, the truth the truth will always come to the surface here. So, Arlo, we, we've got a few we've got a few topics laid out and I want to I want to try to hit on some, you know, similar to what we did as a Premier League preview. Your biggest surprise, your biggest who's going to have a breakout season, golden boot. Um, yes, I have a couple of bad takes right off the bat. Let's get them out of the way. Norwich City is the surprise of the season and Edison Cavani as your golden boot winner. Obviously, neither one of those is going to happen. Maybe just maybe the Canaries are turning the ship around and and with a new coach and who whatever's going on. Over at Carroll Road, they might just be able to do it. Probably not, but fingers crossed. Um, but let's start. Let's start with what I thought was an easy one, Arlo. But you and I were talking about this before we before we started to record. Um, biggest positive surprise of the season so far. Well, <clears throat> there's one place to start, and that and that is Brentford. Um, their start against Arsenal on the first night of the season on the Friday night was absolutely exhilarating. I knew that they were going to be half decent. I didn't quite know just how good and how prepared they would be for the season. Having said that, I mean, they beat Arsenal last night by, that, that night by two goals to nil, and they were fantastic. And the occasion was, was amazing, and the community stadium was rocking, and it was just a joy to be there and to behold that event. They have now gone four games, um, beaten in, in four straight games. And I think the realities of the Premier League are starting to hit home, as they as they were always going to. A, a home defeat to Norwich is not exactly what the doctor ordered going into the international break. But Thomas Frank um, now has two weeks to kind of put it right and to, and to, to steady the ship. I think Brentford are going to be absolutely fine. But my my surprise of the season, and I'll, and I'll qualify it, I knew West Ham were going to be good coming into this season. Mm-hmm. They they had a very very good season last time out. Um, they they were challenging for 
top four until I'd say two or three weekends out from the end of the season. They had a couple of bad results and they fell away, but they still got into the Europa League. Now, I think they are making a genuine run for the top four here. Now, it's obviously, it's easy to say, you know, they're in third place after that win over Liverpool over your beloved Reds. But they do have Europa League and that's going to drain a very, very, you know, smallish squad. He's only made four changes in the entire Premier League season so far to his starting 11, David Moyes. I I wonder if that can go on. Maybe he prioritises and say, you know what, this Europa League lark, it's great fun, but if we want to make a genuine push for the Champions League, perhaps we're going to have to start putting out a weakened side in the Europa League. They're also in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals just before Christmas against Tottenham Hotspur. And then the FA Cup starts just after Christmas as well. It's about to get very, very busy in the Premier League. Once we come back after this final um, international break, it just gets insane between now Mm. and the beginning of January when it's the FA Cup third round. So I, I would say... That West Ham are, are they're not a surprise that they're good. I'm going to say that I'm surprised that they are this good. This good, yeah. They have been amazing. Cresswell at left back has been superb. Ben Johnson has come in at right back for 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 Sofal, who got injured and can't get his place back at the moment. Suchek and Declan Rice in the centre of the park have been absolutely sensational. I love Fornells. He works so hard and creates and scores. Ben Rama was starting to see how good a player he is. Bowen works very hard on the right-hand side. And Mikel Antonio, he's scoring the goals. Well, maybe not for the last couple of games, but he's got six so far in the season. I love the man's character. I love the man's desire. I love the man's approach to life and to football. He's an absolute handful, but he's a top guy as well. So I'd have to say that West Ham, not that they're good but just how good they are has been my biggest surprise of the season so far yeah and I what think about that, you uh, I, I well it's obviously not Liverpool because we already we, we knew they were going to be this good um so my <laughs> biggest surprise I I was I was with you at the beginning I think I said like I think that the Brentford start was the biggest surprise everybody was falling in love with them and you know everybody was you know who already had a Premier League team was like Brentford's my second team sort of like you know for you Aston Villa and for me uh probably Leicester um, but I, you know, I think that the, the tactical nuance and, and grit of this Brighton group for me mm. is, is the biggest surprise. Um, you know, Brighton, uh, you know, had over the past couple of years has sometimes been battling relegation, you know, slipping way below where they are on the table right now, which is in seventh place. They're five points off of Liverpool, um, for a top four, top four spot right now on 17 points, Liverpool on 22, um, but just the way that this Brighton group has battled, I will say that they haven't won a Premier League game since September 19th since they beat Leicester, but they are getting some good results against some against some big six clubs. And then they're also, you know, getting some getting some draws against the likes of Liverpool. You know, they're getting draws when uh, against the Newcastle side after they get a red card. So they're finding different ways to grind it out and to and to be competitive with the big boys. Um, you know. I love Graham Potter's attitude. He's not really going to shy away from the big boys. And we saw that with Manchester City. He got punished for it and they got absolutely eviscerated by a score of four to one. But you just at least love to see a club of that size, not just sort of kowtow tactically and say, we're going to play our way. And if you're going to shred us apart, then do it. But we're going to go down trying. And I and I love that attitude as opposed to, you know, Burnley doing what they're going to do. Um, but that's Sean Dyche's attitude. And, you know, it's going to work against clubs like Chelsea. So I'm fine with that. But yes, there is my 
there, there is my biggest positive surprise of the year. And I might just, you know, take a shot at A-Dub through every single one of these, but, but it remains yeah, to be seen. No. Listen, we know we're, we know we're not, you really say about uh, London that, that you're never more than apparently seven feet away from a rat an actual rat <laughs> because of the sewer system. We are never more than 40 seconds away from a dig at A-Dub from you. That, that's, yeah, our, that's, that's our fair. pod's equivalent to that, that saying about London. Speaking of rats, you know Chicago was voted the, the rattiest city for like a third year in a row uh, in, in the United States, ahead of New York, which New Yorkers are like up in arms about. They're genuinely upset that they didn't win that award. <laughs> They've relinquished I, their title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're defending their crown no more. Uh, but but shout out to Chicago for being the rattiest city in in the in the country for a third year running. Silverware, silverware. You know, we'll take it any yep. we'll take it any which way. Exactly, exactly. All right, moving on. Our next subject is going to be the biggest upset so far. Team player moment. What has sort of been the biggest letdown thus far for you? There are a few, I've got to be honest. Uh, you know, you could go for Tottenham Hotspur, who you know, they've just had a horrible start to the season. They filed, Well, no, they didn't, actually. They had exactly the opposite to that. They won their opening three, but since then they've been yep. absolutely horrible. Uh, can we and say now Daniel they... Levy instead? Can we not say Tottenham? Can we say Daniel Levy? You, you can be. You can isolate Daniel okay. Levy as the, as the cause All of right. it as well. But, you know, I'm looking at the table right now, and... In their second season, I think you call it a sophomore season in in the United States. Last season, uh, Sheffield United, who set the bar so high with their first season back in the Premier League, was such a massive letdown. And they went down. It was the old, we're down by Christmas. They were so far off the pace. (laughs) I, I, I don't necessarily think that Leeds United will go down. But they've been a massive, massive letdown so far this season. Now, there are mitigating circumstances. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, namely to Calvin Phillips as well, who's such a vital part of what they do. Um, I I hope he signs a new contract at Leeds United. He's Leeds born and bred. He's got it in his bones, all that sort of stuff. Um, And and he's only recently come back. Uh, So they've had injuries. But I was looking forward to the noise at Ellen Road so much. I thought it would be such a factor. And the noise before a game against Liverpool that I I commentated on was, was amazing. We did a pitch side desk there. It was amazing. But the team fell flat. Marcelo Bielsa has got so many plaudits for what he's done at Leeds United, and rightly so. In their first season back, they were absolutely magnificent, finishing the top 10. And and the, every game you watched of Leeds United, I don't think they played in a boring game. It's just not... When you play football like that, when you play man-to-man and you play high energy and you're trying to attack all the time, you are you are going to create fantastic games, but you're not going to win all of them. And this season, they come out on the rough end of results more often than not because there's no plan B. Now, I'm not suggesting to Marcelo Bielsa that he has a plan B because he's happy with his philosophy and it and it works. It doesn't win trophies, but it works. And it, and it, it, he, it means that he's, he becomes a cult hero at the clubs that he is at. And he tends to avoid, you know, big six clubs, top four clubs. He goes to clubs like, you know, Bilbao and clubs like uh, like Leeds United, who are maybe not quite in the higher echelons of their leagues, but they've got potential. They've got rabid fan bases and you can energise them and it's fantastic. He has run those players into the ground because that's what Bielsa does. And I just wonder whether they're just off the boil and physically mm. they're just, as we say over here, cream crackered, knackered. Cream right? crackered, so, knackered. Cream crackered. Knackered. That means you're very, very tired, which will be me oh. after Butlins this weekend with the boys. The Butlins. But the Butlins weekend. Butlins um, so, so for it's me, it's a fire fest, but it's in the Butlins. It's very, very similar <laughs> in that 
alcohol is served there. That's that's probably where the similarities <laughs> the only end. Thing. That's the only thing. And there's music. Um, so, yeah, so my biggest disappointment so far, I think they'll be okay. I am a little bit worried because I do like the fact that Leeds United are in the Premier League. I'm a little worried about them. I think they need maybe one or two pieces in January and uh, and to get some results together. They played well against Leicester in a 1-1 draw just before the uh, international break. But my biggest letdown so far is Leeds United, Tyler, so far. All right. I think that that's a fair shout. And I think that Tom from Boston, if you remember him, our, our jet our jet loving uh, new Premier League fan who chose Leeds as his team. And he simply can't take any more disappointment um, if Leeds were to, in fact, get relegated. But it would be fitting for a jet fan to sort of have that happen if you are left to your own devices to choose a team like you just sort of gravitate towards misery but i don't i don't think leads are going down nor so, nor do i think that you think that leads are going down no leads are only three points clear of the relegation zone in 15th place they've won two out of their opening uh, 11 games so they are in a little bit of bother they need some results which team has let you down the most or have you regard as the biggest letdown so far tyler i i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with i'm gonna stick with daniel levy and tottenham i really am i i think that Daniel Levy specifically, and I don't think that you could really chalk up anything to the players right now. You know, you can talk about Harry Kane and how he didn't show up for training and for preseason, you know, holding out until uh, Daniel Levy agreed to sell him. But I think that between the hiring of Nuno, the rash decision to let him go, um, and the handling of the Harry Kane situation, I just think that he's gotten them utterly wrong. I mean, the the Nuno thing is what drives me the, the crazier than the Harry Kane thing, because... You got rid of him so quickly and didn't give him a chance, especially given the start that he had. You knew that Harry Kane wasn't going to be fully integrated given the fact he missed the entire preseason. But what did you expect when you hired Nuno Espirito Santo? What what were you what were you thinking was going to be the outcome? That he magically overnight was going to change his philosophy on the game of football and that it wasn't going to be defensive and it wasn't going to look like what we saw at Wolves? I mean, and then to and then to dismiss him so quickly, um, you know, in a big six club that that has all, all the all the possibility of being, you know, a, a top four contender and a title contender. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of work to do from a personnel standpoint, but the but, but the money that's been pumped into this club and and the decisions that have been made by Daniel Levy, I think for me have been have been the biggest letdown through the first eleven games so far. Okay, Tyler, biggest letdown as a player, and I don't usually like focusing on the negative because, and we'll get to you know our our best teams and best players in in, in a sec, but. For me, there are a couple of names that, that just leap out straight away. And one of them is Jaden Sancho. And I'm not sure how much of it is down to Jaden Sancho. $100 million he costs from Borussia Dortmund. Is it just the wrong time for him to come into Manchester United with, with all the turmoil that's happening there? I don't know. But I've yet to see a single moment that justifies a fraction of that of that transfer fee. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying it's not going to come good. But so far, it's been a mahoosive letdown, uh, Jadon Sancho, at Manchester United. But for me, the biggest letdown you just mentioned, you just mentioned the name, Harry Kane. I'm not going to denounce Harry Kane for wanting to go to Manchester City. It's kind of how football works. You know, players agitate for moves. And I think that Harry Kane felt that he'd given everything he possibly could to Tottenham Hotspur to try and win a trophy. And they came up short. You add to that, and he's had runners-up in the the League Cup, obviously runners-up in the... Champions League final, runners-up in the Premier League. It's a litany of nearly but not quite. And and I feel for him 
because he then, as if to compound it, came second in the European Championships um, to Italy with England during the summer. So here's a guy that has scored goal after goal. He's been a machine for six or seven years for Tottenham Hotspur and for England and has literally nothing to show for it in terms of team trophies. Yes, he's had golden boots at the World Cup, golden boots in the Premier League. You know, he's had plaudits, accolades, he'll break records. But in terms of winning something, nothing, literally nothing. And I think he's looked at Tottenham Hotspur and thought, if I stay here, I won't win anything. Because yeah. Nuno's here now, you know, Pochettino's gone, Mourinho was here. We were supposed to win a trophy under Mourinho because he wins trophies. That didn't happen. We got to a final and lost it. So I think he he thought, I need to have something to show for this career. And Manchester City is clo- are as close to a guarantee to a trophy as you're going to get in English football, as we've said before. So I don't, I don't blame him for agitating for a move because at the time, Manchester City were offering a Decent amount of money for a for decent, a, a 135 million yeah, decent yeah. for a for a for a, um, a 28 29 year old striker. That is a lot of money that the Tottenham Hotspur could have reinvested. They chose not to. They've got a they've got a disenchanted Harry Kane now who has only scored one Premier League goal in the opening eleven match rounds of this season. He's beat up a couple of really poor Euro uh, Conference League sides in the European competition. Two of which I had never heard of. Paco Ferreira, I thought was a brand of aftershave that I got as a thirteen-year-old <laughs> in my in my in my Christmas stocking. Seriously, I'd never heard of that football team. Um, so yeah, so so he for me has been the biggest letdown. I understand why he wanted to go. I still think that that that's a move that could happen. Although now Conte has come in, maybe he's re-energized and maybe he feels he can do it at Tottenham Hotspur. But on the field, Harry Kane has been a massive letdown. It's it's tough to disagree with that. And when you think about the the headlines around Harry Kane over the past few years, it's been he's borderline getting close to the neighborhood of the of the Mbappes, of the Neymars, of the Ronaldos, of the Messi's that, you know, like and you remember watching the the all or nothing on Tottenham and Jose was saying, I wanna make you go boom. I wanna mm-hmm. make you I wanna make you that type of household name. And it just simply has never it's it, it has gone so far downhill now. And and you're and you're and you're right. And and he just has not been playing like himself. And the situation clearly, um, clearly has just unfolded in a way that I don't think Tottenham Hotspur fans could have possibly imagined. You know, I was I, I think Harry Kane is probably I probably agree with that. The one I was the other one I was thinking about, but he's been playing better as of late, and I can't I can't really do it to him. Even though I just I just sort of gravitate towards hating on Arsenal. Ben White's <laughs> start to the season was was mm-hmm. very poor. Very, very, very poor. I mean, this is a guy you brought in for what fifty million, and he was supposed to be one of your answers at the center back position, and he was he was just bad in the first in the first few weeks of the season. But he has since turned around. Arsenal have kept, have kept three clean sheets in a row in the league as of late, so they are playing much better. Gabriel has been reintroduced into the side, and I think that those two complement each other um, very, very nicely. But that was if he had kept it up, he was probably going to be my biggest disappointment. But um, for for right now, I think I just have to agree with Harry Kane. Okay, so let's turn it on to a nice positive. Um, Best teams and best players. This is what we like to talk about. Things that get us off our seat. Performances, you know, um, great moments and great players. And And the Premier League has so many of all of that. Now, do we go with the table here and please A-Dub and say that Chelsea have been the best team so far this season? Do you go down party mm-hmm. lines and go for Liverpool and not give A-Dub the satisfaction? Do you do you say it's Chelsea but still manage to get some digs in, some underhanded digs in somehow? Do you think it's Man City? Who do you think have been the best team in the Premier League so far this season? 
best team. All right, here, here, hear me out on this. Best team. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with City. From a from a defensive and attacking standpoint, they have been the best team. They have been the be- They have they have been the most sound overall, and they and I just enjoy watching them play. I'm going to go the best player players. The Chelsea defense have been the have been the most valuable valuable asset in the Premier League so far this season. Their ability to lock you out and to make you feel like you know there, there's just no hope that you're going to find the back of the net. They have conceded four goals this year in the Premier League. It is truly astonishing what they're able to do, and I think that 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 Thomas Tuchel has them drilled in such a way that it's plug and play. Everybody knows their role defensively, and that is why they're going to vie for the title and potentially win it. But City have been the strongest team overall. Chelsea's defense win my best player through 11 games, if that's allowed. I don't know if I yep. just changed it. Is to- it is totally allowed. And um, I don't know. Actually, A-Dub, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not the adjudicator here. You've just appointed me adjudicator. A-Dub, I mean, a nod or a, that's or a fair. shake. We will, that's we'll fair. We'll let that play, Arlo. That is yeah. fair. Uh, because it's Chelsea's back four, clearly. And my dig, to get, yeah, yeah. And my dig, my dig is that they're just not fun to watch, and that's yeah. why that's why I couldn't <laughs> oh. label them as as like a. They do, they do have more goals than Manchester City, though. I'm just saying they have that's five more goals this year than Manchester City. So I feel like they've had a few. I feel like they've had a few own goals in there, and City goals are usually a lot better than Chelsea's. I, you, but all right, can you, right. can you answer me this question though? Like, do you enjoy? Well, you you hate watching your teams play because you're a lunatic like me, and you're just you're just like a you're just a masochist. You just want to hurt yourself in any way, shape, or form. But do you, from from a footballing standpoint, do you like watching Chelsea more than you like watching Liverpool or City? Try to be try to be somewhat unbiased here. I've I've said this on the record. I enjoy watching Liverpool more than anybody else this year. I think they're just extremely fun to watch going up and down the field. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. Um, we're making strides here, Arlo. You're like wow. you're like a therapist. You're almost you're, you're almost up. You're you're breaking up the logs the log jam of communication that is yeah. the dub's relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is marvelous. Um, <laughs> so, so my, I'm always feeling quite emotional. Um, peace has broken out in our time. I, I think I think in terms of the best team, I, I I get what you're saying about Manchester City and and seeing how they dismantled Manchester United at the weekend as well was just was just phenomenal and you know the, I love the phrase from Pep we put the in the second half we put the ball in the fridge and we all know what he meant by that he meant we'll keep it for another day because this game yeah. is one this meal is this meal we're full we, we don't need any more football we don't need any more passing we don't need any more goals we're full we're going to put the remainder in the fridge and that's exactly what they did and that's the worst thing that's almost worse than it's not quite but it's almost worse than losing 5-0 at home to Liverpool it's embarrassing is, is it you're being you're being almost what's the word I'm looking for you're being manipulated. So you're being. You're being you're, like. They feel sorry for you. Uh, you're being. What's the word I'm looking for? Okay, I'll toyed, do that. Toyed, one. Yeah, yeah. It's almost worse than losing five nil. Not quite, but almost worse than losing five nil at Liverpool. In that your city rivals, your cross town rivals, feel sorry for you almost. And Manchester United could have been put to the sword by Manchester City, who evidently decided not to. And that, to me, is a damning verdict on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United. But it's, but it shows you how good Manchester City are. Liverpool have been exhilarating to watch at times. I've really, really enjoyed watching them. But the best team, I think, at the moment has to be Chelsea. Um, because City aren't scoring enough goals. 
They are not they, this false nine situation. Not signing Harry Kane, not having a plan B. I'm going to say that 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 could be their Achilles' heel towards the end of the season. Now, that's not to say that Chelsea are getting goals from the from the from the sources that you would expect. Lukaku. He's not been so prolific so far, has he, this season? Let's be honest. A lot of goals have been coming from defenders, from fullbacks, mm-hmm. from centre-backs, from uh, from set-pieces. You know, Chilwell, Alonso, uh, Reese James, Rudiger, uh, who has is, who is chipped in. Christensen's got a goal. Thiago's, you know, got goals. Timo, so, Timo has scored a goal, believe Timo it or not. has scored a goal. I'm not sure. Is it any more than that? A single, a single goal? A single One goal. Have, have Singular. A, yeah, Havertz chipped in at the weekend in that uh, in that draw against Burnley. So, look, they're not going to be kept scoreless, those players, for the rest of the season. So once they hit their straps, I think Chelsea are going to be even better uh, than they are at the moment. But like you said, and their, their ability to, to grind out the odd results, and I think early this season on a pod, I described them as the boa constrictors squeezing mm-hmm. the life out of the opposition um, and, and winning games. But, you know, this is going to be a season where teams are going to drop points because this, the league is so deep. But I've got to say, the best, the best team so far, and it's kind of predictable looking at the table, but I think it has been Chelsea but that's not to say that I think that Chelsea will win the league it just means they're the best team so far in terms of best players I was having a, a think about this Declan Rice you, you had to think about this you well, think yeah, about this yeah no I did I, uh, there's two oh, names that I'm, I'm going to settle on Conor Gallagher by the way at Crystal Palace has been absolutely fantastic what a joy to watch Smith Rowe at Arsenal, terrific. He's got called up into the England squad. Gabriel at the back, alongside the aforementioned Ben White, has turned Arsenal into a team that can actually defend. It's remarkable to actually watch it, to watch defending happening in front of you. <laughs> Rodri at Manchester City has been great, but my t- my two, I'm going to go two players. Mo Salah has been utterly phenomenal so far this season. And the goal that I got to call of his um, against Manchester City is one of the best goals I've ever seen live. In in terms of the degree of difficulty, it was Man City. The, sw- the, the swiftness and speed of his feet was unbelievable. And it was a right-footed finish from an angle. So Salah, that's one of the great moments of the season so far. And Joao Cancelo has been playing unbelievably well. He is one of the main men in this system for Pep Guardiola. It's a kind of an inverted in, inside left back um, mm. in, in quite an advanced position. And his delivery into the penalty area, it caused Man United absolute fits um, at Old Trafford. And and they're not the only team. So so for me, it's, it's Mo Salah player of the season so far with an honourable mention for Joao Cancelo, who I think will be on these six-man shortlists for player of the year for the PFA and the football writers at the end of the season. Mo Salah, about call it three or four hundred yards of space, and then and then a couple of other players down here. It's not close. It's not close for me right now. It really not just now. Isn't. Not right it's now. Not, it's not close. It's it's just it, not. And it's so, not just goals. It's, it's assists as well. I mean, he's just yeah. he's the complete player. And and I said it on the, on the pod. And did you notice when I said I think he's the most? I think he's the best player in the world at the moment. And mm-hmm. after that international break articles were being written about him being the best player in the world at the moment. I'm not, you know, it was just a thought that came to me because I'd seen him a lot in the opening weeks of the season. uh, And I stand by it. I think Mo Salah is the best player on the planet at the moment. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to manager's hot seat. Um, I I think that there's only one answer, Um, but I'll, but I'll let you take this away because I feel like we, 
have been talking about this for a while, and I'm hearing it all over the place now. There, there are two things that I hear consistently and that we talk about all the time as well. So uh, clearly, we're not too far off, similar um, to your comment about Mo Salah being the best in the world. He's taken them as far as he can take them, mm-hmm. and this is getting to the definition of insanity. Those are the two phrases and headlines that I'm seeing everywhere from every pundit you know, and, and content that I consume. Um, and it just continues to ring true. And I just don't understand when, when, when that shoe is going to drop and, and when enough is enough. Yeah. Well, we've seen the managerial merry-go-round in full force, haven't we? So five managers have lost their jobs at the last count. Nuno Espirito Santo, Dean Smith, Steve Bruce, Daniel Farker, and whoever was Watford manager. I think I've even forgotten his name. It was. It feels like so long ago, and their, their reigns are so so short. Claudio Ranieri's in there now. But the hot seat has to be it just has to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and and we talked about it at length in the in the last but one pod that we did after the Manchester derby um that if Manchester United want to t- challenge for the title and they want to challenge for the big, biggest prizes in in English and continental football they need to change their manager there's no question in my mind that that needs to be the case because and I said I think in February March maybe it was March I think on uh, on Sirius, Sirius XM on grumpy pundits to to Rodney Marsh I felt that they take he'd taken them as far as he could take them they went on a bit of a late season tear they got to the Europa League final that was the chance to win the trophy they blew it they drew with Villarreal and lost on penalties that was the that was the point at which they needed to make the switch. They didn't do it. They've allowed Thomas Tuchel to slip through their grasp previously. They've allowed Pochettino to slip through their grasp uh, recently. And and most egregiously, they've allowed Antonio Conte to go to Tottenham, who beat Man United, sorry, who lost to Man United in El Sakico, got rid of Nuno Espirito Santo and got in, you know, the best manager by a country mile who was already available and on the market. Mm -hmm. So if Manchester United want to finish or be in a battle royale for fourth place and maybe miss out on Champions League and they want to get to a quarterfinal or a semifinal of an FA Cup and that's about it, then fine. Carry on how you're doing, you know, because it's your loss is somebody else's gain, like a West Ham, like an Arsenal, maybe a Leicester if they put a run together, or a Wolverhampton, who knows, who could get into the top four at the expense of Manchester United. But if you want to continue along this path, this is the team that you are right now. And if you want to improve that team, you need to get a manager that is more qualified to, to compete with the coaching ninjas like Pep, like uh, like Jurgen Klopp, like Rafa Benitez, although they're slightly lower in the league at the moment, like Tuchel, like Brendan Rodgers, like David Moyes. He's doing a fantastic job. Like Graham Potter, for goodness sake, at, at Brighton. They need to improve in that department. So for that reason, Ollie's on the hot seat. I don't think Ed Woodward will, will change it. Um, until uh, when he leaves at the end of December, it will be the next guy's problem. But that's what needs to happen at Manchester United. It's a one-man race, and it's not really a race. It's just sort of a fact. Um, but let's move on to our final subject here, Arlo. And it is, um, it's an interesting one. You know, there are a lot of teams that are hovering around that fourth spot. And we talked about, you know, how important this Premier League season is going to be because that fourth spot is is up for grabs and it's going to just make for incredible drama for the rest of the season running until May. Um, but right now, who's a team for you that could get hot and make a, and make a run at the top four? I don't, maybe we're excluding the Arsenal. Maybe we're excluding the West Ham from okay. this. Um, yeah. But any anybody that could potentially get hot and make a run at it? Well... <sighs> If we exclude Manchester United as well, because let's say that they're going to be in the race for top four, aren't they? Whatever happens, they're going to be there or thereabouts. At the moment, they're five points outside. So there is a gap. There is a gap forming. 
Liverpool currently in that fourth spot. West Ham with 22 points. West Ham 23, City 23, Chelsea 26. I was going to say Arsenal, but but like you say, I mean, that would be... It's not really a run at it because they're only two points out at this stage and they're, they're in fifth place and they're in form as well. But but Arsenal are making a real good go at this and I think yes. they could they could they're go and better. they could take their, it. Their trajectory is, is very yeah. good right now. Now, the, so the other teams I look at with the potential to make a run, Wolves... Possibly come out of, coming out of the, the middle of the I pack. They're in well. yep. they're in excellent form. Can Antonio Conte get performances out of Tottenham to give them a decent run into it? And and I do honestly believe that if things click um, between now and Christmas for Brendan Rodgers and for Leicester City, and that's a big if at the moment based on their performances mm-hmm. so far, one four drawn three lost four. But for Fana coming back, you know Johnny Evans already back, and I think I think there's a team there that could still challenge for the top four. At the moment, they are seven points out. The last two seasons, they spent in the top four for the entire time and fell out in the last week. Maybe this time, they spend the entire season outside the top four and with a with a decent winning, winning run can get into the top four. So I'd say Leicester, maybe Spurs, but I think it's wishful thinking on my behalf of the Foxes. Um, I, I'm going to go with Wolves, you know, your initial shout there, because I think that they have a lot of talent on this side. I like their new head coach um, and Bruno Lage, and I just think that they have enough attacking talent, um, you know, to be able to at least make a push for it. I, I mean, and I think that the question was was leading here. Do I think that they'll get it? No, but I do think that they could potentially, you know, keep this run of form, maybe even get a little bit hotter. But, you know, they, they, they're, they're a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde right now just because they'll sometimes um, – you know, they'll sometimes have a really good result against a solid against a solid club. And then, you know, they ran into a Crystal Palace side that's been getting some better results, but they lose 2-0. So, like, those are the types of games, especially if you're going to make a run at the top four, that you simply need to get some sort of result. It was on the road, I believe. So, need to try to get a draw, but you can't get shut out at Crystal Palace, a team that, um, you know, is not going to be making a run at the top four. But I think that Wolves potentially could, but everything else that you just said, Antonio Conte coming in, it would not be crazy to think that if he turns the screw and he gets to, starts to get some things right after Christmas, um, that it could definitely uh, definitely get there for Spurs. So that should just about do it then, Tyler. We can uh, relax and enjoy our international break. When I come back, Liverpool against Arsenal on the Saturday. The NBC game is going to be massive. I can't wait for that one because Arsenal are not the pushovers potentially at Anfield that they have been in the past, but Liverpool are a very, very good football team. Then on the Sunday, Tottenham against Leeds United. So the aforementioned Antonio Conte, I get to see his Spurs for the first time against a team that have been my biggest letdown of the season so far, which is Leeds United. Cannot wait. It's going to be a cavalry charge between now and Christmas. Games coming thick and fast. It's a wonderful time of the year, just anyway, because we're running up to Christmas. But for Premier League football fans, (laughs) it is just amazing this time of year. So we'll be back every week, won't we? Uh, with all the your Premier League news and views and the Chicago Fire. So from Tyler Terrans, the voice of the Chicago Fire, me, Arlo White, the voice of the Premier League for NBC Sports, thank you for listening. Rate and review us if you can, please. It means a lot to us. And keep on listening. We'll speak to you again soon. 